Good morning, All Seasons. It is so good to see you. The new year, ready to roll. Let's get some stuff done. And uh, let's watch God do some great things here at All Seasons. And so uh, this start of this year, God has just kind of really been working around in, in me uh, toward this understanding of change. Uh, I just feel like there's going to be inwardly, outwardly, there's going to be change that is going to take place. Uh, probably good that Bradley's doing this series on conflict resolution because, because change creates that. Change creates the friction, and as I always like to say, it's like blowing something up and all the pieces are in the air. Eventually, they're going to come down somewhere. And the goal is, is to decide where you want each piece to fall back from the way it used to be so that it's better, it's stronger. So look at the person beside you and say, change is coming. Change is coming whether you like it or not. You're going to get a little older. We're going to, we're going to go through whatever. But the fact is, is if we embrace it and over these next week or two, maybe even three, I'm going to deal with some, some outlines toward this. But the first mindset that I want us to have is a large overview of change or how God works in change and what God is looking for in change. And so if you'll turn with me in your Bibles, go with me to Romans, the first chapter, Romans chapter 1, verses 20 through 21. And so I want to show you today some, some dispensations of change. And so here's what the Bible says. For since the creation of the world, this invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that we are without what? Excuses. So let's read that again. Go back to that one more time. I want us to grasp this is, is the understanding of change. God says there are certain things that are established and will not change, the change will happen within you. The change will happen in confronting the things that are steady. And he says, listen, for since the creation of the world, the invisible attributes are clearly seen. He says, that has not changed. Nothing has changed about this. Nothing has, has moved. Nothing has shifted. People still can walk outside and see stars. They can still walk up and see trees. They can still watch grass. You can pick your favorite flower. Things have not changed from God's creation until this moment, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. He said, so what happens is, is that when you see these things, you inevitably come to the conclusion there, there is someone in control. Someone is running the show. And God said, I put this one solid thing there, this one steady thing there, so that you are without excuse that there is a Godhead, there is one who is reigning and ruling over all that there is. Now the problem is, is that that, that verse sounds simple to some of us who are children of God, who are saved, who, who are not fighting that understanding, because we just accept, look, God is in control. One of these days we got to answer to God. One of these days you got to stand before God. One of these days you got, so we, we automatically have this mindset built in us as Christians. But the problem is, is that this is something that is going to have to be wrestled out on a continual basis to the level that you choose. Now listen to what the Bible says in verse 21. Because also they knew God. So there's not a person in the world that ever says, well, I don't believe in God. You believe in trees, believe in flowers. 
Yeah, but that science is, science hasn't proved anything on that. They rewrite the books every, every, about every two or three years about a new theory. I said, the only one that's come up that they really got mad about is creative design. Remember how that came up a few years ago? We're going to start putting that in science books, creative design. They shot that down. Because the problem was all their study kept pointing them to the conclusion that somebody had to have designed this thing. Well, we don't want to go there because then people's going to start believing in God. But God said from the beginning, he says, there's no person that ever walks around long enough or looks long enough or searches long enough that doesn't come up with a ding moment that says, there's a God. That's, that's just inevitable. So when somebody says they're an atheist, they're lying. They just started with a the conclusion there isn't a God, so now I've got to figure out the truth. They cut out part of the truth to be able to try. So that, they're not someone who's researched or, or, or sought out truth. They're just someone who's already started with a conclusion. We don't want any debate. We've already started with a conclusion. Now we've got to figure out how to get there. And if we have to change our story 27 times to get there, that's what we'll do. 28 if necessary. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. So what does that mean? Well, we'll get into it a little bit further in a few minutes, but it is the understanding that I accept that he reigns above all. Trent was saying it a while ago while he's singing. Do you realize there is a king? Do you realize he reigns? Do you re have you accepted the understanding that he is in control? They did not glorify him and said, I will not glorify him as God. Not going to tell everybody he's God. I'm not going to want to get into that argument or, or that debate. Nor were thankful. Because see, if you don't believe there's a God, then you can't be thankful for your life and you can't be thankful and it loses its value. So when you see people shooting people every day and, and, and it's, it's because... If you remove God, you remove thankfulness. And if you remove thankfulness, then your life really doesn't mean anything to me. Only my happiness means anything to me. But became futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. So let me see if I can explain it this way. God is a God who has said, I have put things in order. I'm a God of order. Things are not running out of order. I've set certain things that will always be there to remind you that I have order. And you have to choose whether you want to live inside of that. Now, these moments of, of dispensations in our mind also work as dispensations of time. There are people that literally uh, call themselves dispensationalists. And, and so I want to share with you a little bit of this because it'll, it'll help teach some of this that I want to show. So in, in dispensationalism, you have to understand that it begins with ages. There are different ages through the years. There are seven ages that will take place. Seven ages of the dispensation that will happen in time. Six of them have already happened. So the beginning of dispensation began in the Garden of Eden. And this dispensation began, and we call it the age of innocence. Look at the person beside you and say, the age of innocence. 
This is where Adam and Eve were in the garden. God created everything, created the Adam and, and, and Eve, and, and they were naked, and, and I mean, it was it was pretty cool setup. They didn't have bad thoughts. They, they, they totally innocent, like two little babies in their mind in that context as far as about evil, about sin, about anything that's bad. They, they had none of that in them, and so they were completely innocent And that age lasted until Adam and Eve sinned. And then the age of innocence ended and the age of consciousness began. Now, this is important because the age of consciousness is a key part of history. It's a part of the history we went through and it's a part of the history that we will go back to. Just as sure as time went forward, time is also going to reverse itself until it reaches back to it gets to the point where God has to do what he's done before. Now, we know this moment, and we remember this by the story of a big old boat. Anybody remember something about a big boat being built or something? Yeah, you you learned that in Sunday school. You learned this, you know... Noah built an ark and saved all the animals and 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 because there was a flood that took place. So the dispensation of conscience is where men begin to do whatever men wanted to do. They begin to act in the way they wanted to act. And and go with me to Genesis uh, 6, verses 5 through 8. Genesis 6, verses 5 through 8. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil, how far? Continually. See, we've been under, under this mindset that if we get more educated, we will be better. If, if, we, if we just uh, learn, we, we need to have sensitivity training and we need to have all these different things. Let me go ahead and break it to you. You at the core are evil. You at the core are evil. No, bro, Lord, I'm a good. Well, then just tell us all about yourself. Tell us about your thoughts. Tell us about all your actions. Tell us about some people you've done this to or that to. Or See, God understood. He said, listen to me. Out of the age of innocence, which is what most people come into, as a child, we leave the age of innocence at some point and we step into the age of consciousness. The world understands this and they decide at that point, we need to put you in school. And if we put you in school and we put you in training and we let you watch enough TV programs and we let you listen to enough music and we let you will learn to act right. Well, the only problem is the teaching gets more, the music gets more. Why? Because the older you get and the further you go, the more evil you become. And we have thought that we can end it at this age of consciousness. That's not why now we we try to pass laws that kids know better than their parents. In fact, we don't even want to put anything on your birth certificate because by five, you'll know whether you're a boy or a girl. Because you are conscious 
of all that you really want to be. At 14, at 13, at 12, were you conscious of everything? Did you have the world more figured out then than you do now? You thought you did. How about six? Did, you, did your consciousness let you know what you were and who you were? And, but see, in, in, the, in this worldly mindset, this is the way it works. And God said, out of the age of innocence of Adam and Eve, they went into an age of consciousness. And then the Lord saw when it had been this way for a while. In fact, we even read before this that, that the sons of God had, had intertwined with the women of men and that it had created even another race that had come about. And isn't it amazing that we in our world are trying consciously to be able to recreate or create. We make movies about it. We try to, to recreate sheep. We try to recreate God said, I already have sheep. I don't need you to recreate. Yeah, but we want to be able to do it. We, we want to be able to make it in a different way, and we want to be able to tweak it if we want to. And, 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 but the whole mindset is still the same. It's the world in its consciousness trying to solve its problems and thinking that the more free I become, the more answers I will find, and the better I will be. When in result, the more free I become, the more my mind wanders and my imaginations grow. And now I can't go to a supermarket because I'm afraid somebody will shoot me. I can't even feel safe at school because some lunatic may think I want my 15 minutes of fame. Our freedom that we think in our consciousness will not produce what we're hoping. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man, how great they are throughout the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. We're struggling with this even nationally now. We, we, we don't know who to vote for. We don't know, we don't know what crazy law they're going to pass next. We don't, we don't feel like anybody listens to anything that we say. And let me go ahead and just break it to you. They don't. If you ain't figured it out yet, they don't care about you. I'm not Republican, Democrat. I'm telling you, they don't care. Why? Because they've reached a level of consciousness where the only thing that matters is the power that I have. And I'll sell my mama if I can keep my power. That's the level of consciousness. They started out in school saying, I want to be a politician. I'm going to be a politician. I'm going to be a, and guess what? What do I got to do to be a politician? Well, you got to lie. You got to be able to speak without telling anything. You got to, well, I'll learn to do all that. I'll learn, I'll go take political science where I'll become a good at saying nothing for 50 minutes. And then I'll get up and lie out of my teeth and smile. And, and if somebody says, you lied. Oh, well, let's not worry about that. Let's just move on to the next thing. It's the age of consciousness, and, and we see it in every aspect. And God says, I saw it. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth. 
Do you know there's coming a time again when God will look down and He will say, it's, it hurts me that I ever made man. He did it once. When in the age of consciousness they had gone as far as their imagination could take them at that time. But us now, because of the science we have and the, and the different technology we have, and I, man, we can go a lot crazier. And God says, there'll come a time when I again will look. But he was sorry that he made man, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have made and created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Now I'll come back to this. But this is the age of dispensation. And what God did was God went and said, I'm going to send a flood and I'm going to kill everything that lives. Because there's only one way to remove this mindset and there's only one way to cure this in a natural form. So the age of conscience ended at the flood. After the flood, the third age came into being. The third age was the age of human government. So what humanity decided was, and what it realized was, look, if, if we're going to be able to survive, we've got to be able to, to govern ourselves and, and, and protect ourselves and put laws in place and, and different things like this so that we don't get into trouble so that we can, we can live peaceably among each other. And, and so they created governments and laws and they created kingdoms and different things and ways to survive and everybody not go lunatic mad. The only problem is, is that you're still dealing with people that they're conscious and their ability. So if I'm the king, it only depends how crazy a king you got. If I'm in a government, it only matters how crazy the government is. But it was better than just letting everybody do what they wanted to do. So we moved in the age of government. And in this age... We hear of different stories and kingdoms of the earth, different towns and different things being produced. Which brings us to number four. This was the dispensation of promise. So the dispensation of government lasted from the end of the flood to this moment that God spoke to Abraham, to Abram. And we entered into the age then of promise. For God steps back on the scene and he says, okay, I'm going to fix this. And how I'm going to fix this is begin by giving you a promise. And so the age of promise then goes through the, the whole life of Abraham. It runs through all the different laws or different things up into the point to where we get to the age of law. Number five, the dispensation of law. Why is this important, Brother Lot? Because I'm going to show you in a few minutes. I'll show it to you. So we reach the age of Moses, and from Abraham to Moses, we have the dispensation of promise. Everybody was living for the promise, the promise of God rectifying, the promise of God fixing, the promise of God making everything right. We kept going through these promises, the promise, the promise, and we're holding on for the promise. 
We love the story of Abraham and Isaac and, and, and all the different, because he's holding on to the promise. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. If he's going to take it from government to where now he says, I'm going to make you a father over nations. Uh, the world has decided that we're going to create nations and cities and kingdoms. He said, but I'm going to make you a father over all of them. Over the governments that be, you will rule by influence. This lasted until the time of Moses. And as I said, we moved into the dispensation of law. The dispensation of law happened from the moment of Mount Sinai all the way to the time of Jesus on the cross. Jesus lived under the law. I think we failed to, to grasp that. He was the bridge between the dispensation of law. That's why Jesus said, I've come not to destroy the law, but to do what? To fulfill it. I've come to fulfill the law that, that what it was meant to do, why God gave it was to take it to another level to take you into another age, an age that God was already at, but an age that you needed to achieve. And from the moment of the age of the cross until this very moment and until the next age comes, we are in the age of grace or the church age. Anybody ever heard it said that way? We're in the church age, the age of the Gentiles, the, the age. But what we're in is the age of grace now to where now, all of a sudden, all the things that we could not fix and the things we could not rectify and the things we could not uh, uh, put under control, God said, now I've put it under control under me. Now, our problem is, is that God did not create a democracy. God did not create a republic. God created a kingdom. And in the kingdom, it is a theocracy, which means God is the only one in control. There is no voting. There is no, no, no debating. There is no uh, simply deciding, I don't like this. Or, it is simply a theocracy where you come to grips with the fact that God is the one who reigns and is in control. And God says the highest level that you will ever live in this world is in the age of grace, is in the age of the dispensation of grace, which means I can do with my power what you cannot do. And I can get you through with my power what you cannot get through. I am able to allow you to overcome, to be more. That's why all the scriptures we quote only work if we live within the theocracy of the kingdom of God. Only if we're living, if we're trying to say, I'm going to pick and choose, it won't work. It only works when we made it to the level and we decided that I'm living in grace. It's not by my works. It's not by anything that I've done. It's not by my value of anything that I own. It's not by my education. It's simply that God himself chose me and said, I'm going to put you into my family. Do you accept this call? Do you allow me to do this? If so, I will come inside. I will run out the things that don't belong. Me and my father will set up our home there. The spirit will lead you there and you will live a life of abundance and you will live a life of freedom that you wanted from the time of innocence. And this is the process by which God wants us to live. So the question to every person in this room is, are you living under grace? 
Are you living under the rule, the authority? Are you living under, if not, then you are somewhere in the process or you are moving backwards in the process, especially the more you're into this world, the more backwards you will move in this process. Let me show you what I'm, what I'm talking about. If you say, well, bro, how, how do you mean we're moving backwards? Well, let's go backwards now. And let's say that we once, we once had grace. We once knew God. Let's say Romans 1, verse 20, we knew God, we saw his attributes, we saw his, who he was, and we decided at that point, we don't want to accept God or glorify God as God. We want to do our own thing. So what happens to us? Well, we as a society, we as a country, we as a people, we as a family, move right back into law. Now, isn't it amazing Isn't it amazing that when I grew up in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, nobody ever put the Ten Commandments outside their building? Isn't it amazing that nobody ever, ever wanted to hang the Ten Commandments in a school? But it was amazing to me that over the last several years, 20 or 30 years, we want to go back to try to tell people there are laws that we need to live by. In fact, we got away from the church life and we got into the political life and we wanted to pass laws that said that, that you can't have abortions or, or we wanted to pass laws that, that said you, you can't do this or you can't do that. Why did we do that? Because we left the responsibility of that by grace to God and live our lives under the authority of God to where we told God, look, we're going to pick and choose and we're going to do things by law and make people live right and make people live wrong and make people do things we want them to do and not just do it because it's in their heart to do it. You're saying, Brother Lot, is, is there anything wrong with a lot of these laws? No, nothing wrong with a lot of these laws. A lot of them I applaud. But it's why did you need the law? You needed the law for the same reason God needed the law. Because you did not have a relationship with God and you don't acknowledge him as God and you won't accept him as God, then God has to put laws into your life and, and, and barriers in your life to keep you in control. If we didn't prove it at any time, did we not prove it during covid We are told scripturally by God, do not cease to come together. Until you see me coming, do not cease to come together to worship me, to praise me, to. And one super flu bug, that's what it is. COVID is now our new super flu. We'll be with us forever. We need to shut down everything. Really? Yes, churches have... We cannot have church. Okay, now we can't have church, but we can go to the clubs. We don't we don't need to be we don't need to be doing this or any of this stuff, but we can leave the liquor store open. See what happens is is if if you as a child of God decide I'm gonna go back to laws, then which laws are you gonna serve? You're going to fall into the same problem that Israel fell into. Which ones do you like? Which ones do you not like? Which ones you're going to obey and which ones you're going to hide in the corner so nobody finds out you did or didn't do them? 
And so what happens is, is that we as a society, we as a family, we as a people, we move back in from the dispensation of grace where God is king and rules and reigns and we turn everything over to him and he fights our battles and he is our God and he writes his laws on our hearts to where now we need somebody to tell us what to do and somebody to give us laws and if somebody tells us we're doing something wrong, we quickly look at them and say, it ain't illegal to do that. There ain't no law against that. I'm old enough to do that. So it's not in my conscience anymore. It has to be something written now. Does this make some sense? Now the problem with this is, is that laws have to go backwards too. If you don't want to obey the laws because you didn't want to live in grace under his authority, then what dispensation do we go back to? Those of you that wrote it down. Some of y'all aren't taking notes. What was the one before that? Oh, promise. So we reach a generation now that doesn't live up to any law. They may go to church, not go to church. They may, they may worship God. They may pay their tithes. They may not pay their tithes. They may show up, not show up. But let one of them get sick. And let me tell you the first thing they're asking so for? Healing. I, my phone will be ringing. I'm like, I don't even have you on my number anymore. You ain't talked to me in so long. I'm like, who is this? Oh, this is so-and-so. Oh, Lord, you still alive? I hate to bother you, brother, a lot, but you know, my family right there is going through it and I sure need some, you wouldn't mind going by the hospital and seeing. Now, if I told them, heck no. Do you would think, you would think they would write back, well, I understand, brother, a lot. But what do you think they're going to feel if I say No. Well, that's just like the church, just like, just, just won't step along it. I'm like, let me tell you a problem. You didn't want to live under grace. You didn't want God to be God where he promised I'd meet your needs. You'd be in a position right now, you could throw up your hands and say, God, I got a problem and I need you to fix it. I, you, I'm, I'm, I've given everything to you. I'm trusting you with all my life. I got nothing. You are my king. You're my Lord. And God, I'm not putting you on the spot. You're the only one that can fight for me. You left that and you went back to laws and you said, well, I'm just going to live good and I'm just going to do my best. And, I'm just, and you figured out you couldn't do that either because you're built from the inside sorry up. I done told you you're wicked from the beginning. So if you go back to laws, ain't a one of you in this room is going to live up to your laws. You won't even live up to what you say you're going to do. You're not going to do it. And the enemy knows you're not going to do it. So he just sits back and says, go ahead and make some promises. Well, I bet I'll never do that again. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you can't live up to the law, so you're just like, well, I just know God loves me. I just, you just fall back into grace. That's our uber grace of today. That's what makes me so sick of preachers today. It don't matter what you do. You're going to have conferences where people show up from every kind of lifestyle, every kind of dress code, every kind of everything, and they're going to gather together and worship God and praise God and don't know any of them hardly in that room even know God. They wouldn't leave God after that room and they wouldn't serve God. Most of them wouldn't live one street down the road how God would want them to live. But what they want is they want the promises of God. And so you're going to have a lot of scripture 
preaching to them how God loves you and God wants to bless you and God wants to take care of you and he's your father and he's going to be good to you. And yeah, he will if you get back under grace. Is it all right if I just preach a little bit? But you didn't want grace. You can't live up to the laws. So what happens next? You follow the promises. And when God ain't going to fulfill your promises because you're not in relationship with him and you're not really connected to him, then you're going to get even more frustrated. And before you move from promise, you have to then fall back into what's next? Government. Oh, well, you know what? You come to the right place. Because old Joe Biden's done going to fix it all for you now. And Republicans are going to fix it all. If you just vote for me, we're going to take all your tears away. Man, I'm glad you finally walked away from that grace. And I'm sure glad you, can't, you realize you're just sorry because we know you're sorry too. That's why we all live in gated communities, why we just let y'all all live together. We got bodyguards, but we don't need more police for y'all because that money needs to be used in other areas like on us. Is this, is this, is this Okay. Because most of America is trying to live this lifestyle. Let's leave God. Let's turn to living right. But you can't live right. So you turn to promises. But because you're not going to live right and not going to serve God, God's like, look, I ain't blessing you. So you can go out and do more debauchery. So you look around, you're like, well, who can help me? There's this idiot with his hands up. Me. Vote for me. Will you help me? Oh, I will help you. I'll give you free ice cream. And, and I... And so you turn to government. But what we're starting to find out now Oh, they can't fix it either? Oh, it's getting worse by the minute? You've done reached a point now to where you don't even care if you vote or not because it don't matter who you vote for. Either way is a loser either way. When you get there, where do you go? What's the one before that? Consciousness. You live in an age where every man does what seems right in his own eyes. Welcome to your world. Where every man wakes up every day and whatever seems right. And if I need to kidnap a child and do what I need to do to be happy, that's okay. Stuff that makes you sick. And you're like, how do you even, you watch CNIS or whatever that crazy stuff is long enough and you all messed up in the head. You keep watching all them 
crime shows and how to commit a crime and how to kill somebody without somebody finding out. You let some crazy person who has incredible imagination start watching that for very long. Let me tell you what's going to happen, what's happening now. When you rap artists and, and, and you thugs and everybody else wants to pick colors and make their videos with their AK-47s in their hand, then don't be surprised when some kid 12 years old walks down the road and starts shooting people. Because whatever seems right in my own eyes now, since the government isn't going to help me, and since God ain't going to fulfill no promises for free, and, and, and I know I'm not able to live up to the law, and I refuse to live by grace, then you know what? I'm stuck. The only thing left is me just do whatever feels good to me, and no matter if it hurts everybody else. In fact... Let me show it to you. Go with me to Galatians. The Apostle Paul is dealing with the Galatians. And he talks to them in verse 1 that Christ has set you free. He says, listen, you're in grace. You're free. But he gets to verse 16 and here's what he says. I say then... Walk in the walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the this is this is grace. He even at one time calls them foolish Galatians. He says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? That you once believed in the freedom that comes from Christ, but now you think through circumcision or doing something else or some religious act or something, you're going to earn more of something. He said, you're either in the kingdom or not in the kingdom. And if you go off the reservation and start going back to laws, you've walked off the kingdom. That's what he told him. He said, grace is of no effect to you anymore. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And, and I'm going to read this from my version. Is that okay? You follow along with me, but, but I'm going to read this from a, a, broke, a different version. But I am saying to you, live in harmony with the Holy Spirit, His desire for you. And then you will not always be giving in to the wrong desire, desires of your body. For what your body wants is in conflict with what the Holy Spirit wants for you. And what the Holy Spirit wants conflicts with what your body wants, for these two desire different things and are contrary one to the other. There's a war going on. Am I going to follow my flesh? To try to find the answer which leads me back all the way down? Or do I remain in grace and say I'm going to follow the Spirit no matter how hard it is, no matter what He asks? I'm going to stay in harmony with the Spirit. But if you are led by what the Holy Spirit wants for you to do, you are not under the law of Moses. Notice, if you stay in grace, living in the kingdom, you do not have to fall back into the law of Moses. You don't have to go backwards. Now these things, now those things done by the sinful, physical nature of a person are evident. They are these. 
sexual immorality, moral impurity. And we know what sexual immorality, doing things with our bodies sexually that we shouldn't do. Moral immorality, taking our bodies and doing, saying things we shouldn't say, using words we shouldn't use, thinking thoughts we shouldn't think, acting in ways we shouldn't act. Indecent conduct. Idol worship, loving something more than you love God. We're not going to get on football teams and baseball teams. Occult practices, hatefulness, dissensions, jealousy, angry outbursts. Anybody struggle with that? Well, let factious spirits, divisiveness, party spirits can't stand just sitting at home. Got to be out getting into something. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you again, as I have done before, that those people who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Guys, there's a war. And I hate to break it to you, you're in it. And you're going to be a part of it whether you like it or not. Hold on. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit is joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. There can be no law against practicing these things. And those persons who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified or put out of their lives sinful cravings of the body along with their passionate desires. If they live by the Holy Spirit, we should also walk in the Holy Spirit. We should avoid foolish pride as well as provoking or envying one another. Now go back with me to Genesis, to all the scriptures I read to you, and let's start over again. I want to show you something. And I'm coming to a close. Brother Lott, we are in a mess. We get that way sometimes. But why are you smiling? Because I still have a great God. We are slowly moving to, and probably one foot fully in, an age of consciousness now. Where laws do not mean anything. Our words do not mean anything. It's just whatever I feel. We get up every day of our lives wrestling with, this is what I want to do, but I know I'm not supposed to do it. And what are we going to do with that? Well, Galatians tells us very simply, he says, you need to surrender your life to the Spirit. You need to surrender your life to His kingdom so that other things will burst out of you, love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, temperance, all these things. Well, let me show it to you in the Old Testament because I told you that everything has to go reverse. Here's what it says. Then the Lord saw all the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of their thoughts and their heart was only evil continually. Welcome to 2023. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth. Welcome to 2023. 
You think God looks down and says, boy, I'm really proud of all the stuff that's going on. No. God understands. No. It's hurting him. It's hurting him. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man that I have created from the face of the earth. Listen to me. I don't have a problem with people with with global warming or climate change. I don't have a problem with this. I believe in a lot of it. Some of y'all already lost me. Like, oh, well. No, no, get me straight. I'm not going to buy no electric car. It's not what I'm talking about. What I'm telling you is that science, there is, the earth is warming. We are seeing more disasters. We are seeing more droughts. We are seeing more chaotic shifts from one extreme. I mean, even us, we set a record here the last week or so that we hadn't set since 1912, how cold it got. And then this week it's 70 degrees and we're all in Bermuda shorts. What in the world is going on, Brother Lot? There is a groaning within the earth. And let me just explain it to you. The government isn't going to pass anything to save it. That's all I'm telling you. The same people flying around in these big jets burning up the ozone to get you to buy a green car. So what are you saying, Brother Lot? I'm telling you that it is grieving God. And it is grieving And God is saying, do you not sense? Do you not see? We think we can fix grieving God. We think we can just uh, uh, all do something, put solar panels on our house, and we'll just keep doing what we want to live. No. God says, the more you grieve me, the more it pushes me toward a time. Because years ago, I didn't understand that when he used to talk about, he destroyed it the first time with water, the second time he will destroy it with. And isn't it amazing the craziness of people and all the weapons we have and the earth groaning as it's groaning, do you not understand what it's setting us up for? What do you think would happen if there's a, just a global catastrophe on food? Let's just say there was a major drought, say like the Bible would say, like a third of the earth or something. What do you think that third of the earth is going to do the other two-thirds of the earth to eat? What do you think all this is headed for? Well, I need to get a bus and fill it up with food and bury it in the backyard. No, don't be an idiot. You don't need more guns. Bullet ain't going to help you against not having any potted meat. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created. This is where we're at. The earth is groaning. I don't deny that. God is groaning. I don't deny that. 
both man and beast, creeping and thing of the birds of the air, for I am sorry that I made them. And then out of nowhere, in the middle of all of this, comes the next verse. Now I want you to understand, you move from consciousness to what? What's the next dispensation? Consciousness to government, from government to promise, from promise to law, from law to... Hold on now. Noah didn't go to the government. He didn't go to town hall and he didn't say, now I need a permit to buy a boat. I need, I need, I need y'all to help me. I need, I need us all to raise our taxes so we can build a big old boat. And would the government help me do this? Moses, Noah skipped over government and even skipped over promise. Well, no promise as far as, as far as how humanity would turn out, how, how God just said, we build a boat, it's fixing to rain. Noah never even seen rain. What's rain? Oh, it's bad. We ain't even created umbrellas yet. It's bad. He skipped over law. God didn't look at Noah and say, now, if you can start right now, first thing you need to go do, Noah, is circumcise all your big sons. And we need to get all this straight. And then we're going to get, he skipped over law. He skipped over and jumped right straight into grace. In the middle of God saying, I'm getting tired of this. This is really frustrating me. You are making me sick. God said in the middle of this, I'm still looking for one specific thing. I'm looking for someone who can skip past all the other things and go right to grace. One of the stories that causes people more conflict than any other story in the Bible is the thief hanging on the cross. Because it messes up people that say you got to be baptized. It's just totally, it's like, well, the thief on the cross wasn't baptized. Yeah, I know what happened. He just, because he couldn't get down and get to it. I'm like, he wasn't baptized. So you ain't got to be. No, 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 that's not what. See, people that are stuck, grace always messes people up. Because grace is not tangent on any of the things that we think we have to have. It, it surpasses law. It surpasses what other people think. It surpasses what other people's opinion are. Even if the government says, we don't like what you're doing, well, tough. I'm still going to go to church. I'm still going to serve worship the Lord. Well, we're going to lock you up. Then you better gang a big bus because there's about 200 of us that's going to be here and you better go ahead and get a big jail. Go ahead and rent you out of building. But here's the thing. Oh, now you're going to have to lock all of us up together. So that's going to become a super spreader. So you better think before the government decides to fix it. See, grace jumps past all. And, and Noah in the middle of going, living in this and dealing with this and all the junk going on and you got giants coming along and he's like, this world is messed up. And you know what? God found Noah. No, no. 
Mm-mm. Noah found Noah was the one searching for some way, for somehow. God, there's got to be a way. And Noah found grace. And in this room today, with all that's going on and all that's going to be going on and all the craziness that we'll hear about in this year compared to last year or the year before last, and before you get all frustrated and write me letters, let me just go ahead and tell you where we are. We're in the age of conscience again. Where everybody's going to do whatever they feel right in their own eyes. Then what do I do, Brother Lot? Then you do decide that I'm going to be an agent of grace. That I'm going to be one of those in the kingdom who is living in front of people every single day showing them God. One song said it, and one writer said it, that every time Noah hit the hammer against the nail, driving the wood, every ding screamed out, there's a flood coming. It only took Noah 120 years to build it. I think God could have helped him build it a lot faster, but I think God in His grace and patience was saying, I'm going to give as many people a chance as possible to hear it. I don't know how long we'll live in this age of consciousness before number seven comes. The seventh is simply where Christ returns. When this ends, the age of grace ends, then the millennial reign will begin. Christ will return. But until that day, then every one of you in this room are facing Galatians. And you're facing Romans. And I think probably when Paul was writing this or when others were writing their books in the early church, they thought, this is bad as it'll ever going to get. Man, I'm telling you, it can't get no worse than this. And this is the end of the world. This is it. Be ready any minute. This is... I wonder what he would say if he could see us. When Paul says, in time to come, Timothy... People will be lovers of self more than lovers of God. I wonder if he could see us. And we were smack dab in the middle of the last dispensation because guess what? We can't go back to innocence. We can't go back to knowing nothing anymore. We have to go back to God coming back. Will you stand? That's as far as I'm going to go today. Is that okay? I'll deal with some more change next week. I wanted you to first get a large view. If it feels like, well, you kind of just stopped right in the middle. I did. Look at the person beside you and say, he did. But I'm, I'm an hour in, so that's all the thought you can get for today. The rest of it will have to come next week.
But if I've done my job today, then you have a large view of what you're walking into when you walk out of here today. And I don't know where you reside. Maybe this morning you're a person that's, Brother Lot, I am a child of, I am a full of grace. I am, I am living in grace today. And thank God. But there may be someone who slipped. Knowing God, but not wanting to fully give him all that glory and not, 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 God, I'm not sure you can handle this, so I'm not going to trust you with all this. So I got me a lawyer. I'll fix it. Don't worry. You got to take care of yourself. I mean, there's laws against that. Maybe you reverted back to where, you know, God gives us enough sense to take care of ourselves. Maybe you reverted back to where the law will save me. You may have even gone further than that. Maybe you've been disappointed by how people do. You try to drive and live by the laws and drive right. I was riding the other day and coming out of Jackson. That's about Brandon coming out of there and all of a sudden I hear this just plowing coming down the side. And I'm thinking, what in the world? Somebody has stole a car and they come on the service side doing about 95. Just one turn, one flip from taking out everybody in the whole Right behind him came two cop cars. He zigzagged, got back in, went through. I saw him around in the corner. And I thought, Lord, crazy people in this world. If you're not careful, you'll try to do right, and there'll be all these crazy people. You're trying to live good, and all these crazy people keep messing up your life. If they just listen and obey the law. And if the law doesn't help you, then you try to live by promises. But that can get frustrating because if you're not going to follow God and not going to listen to God, and all the time you ever go to church is if you need Pastor Lot to pray for you or you need some extra $100. The first time we don't give it to you or first time you don't get healed, you're going to hate God. Some of you may be there. So you're going to keep reverting back until eventually you're going to get to conscience. Which is where most people, if you don't know the Lord, are in this room. You're married, but you know people fall out of love every day. You don't know how long that's going to last. You're committed somewhat. Because the problem is, is that when you reach this stage, you live every day of your life struggling with what feels good right now. What seems right in my own eyes right now? And when you get a whole world of people like that, that 
Their thoughts are evil. Their intentions many times are evil. We end up watching what we watch on the news every night. If you're in this room, and you say, Pastor, how do you fix all that? What's your message to the world, America, the Congress, the President, the everybody? You need to see where you are. And you need to decide that I'm going to pursue grace. I'm going to pursue grace. I'm going to let go of all the stuff that I've held on to. I'm going to release the things that I've counted on. I've just decided that none of it's going to pay out. None of it's going to bring the answer. Like the lady with the issue of blood, when she had spent all and done all, she finally come to the conclusion, if I can just touch it. If I could just touch him, that's grace. And if, you, if you're worried about it, like you've gone too far, done too much, don't. Because he's done said, if you'll knock, I'll open. If you seek me, you will find me. If you ask, I'll give it to you. He said, if, if, you, if a father who somewhat loves you, and he's all messed up. If you say, I need a fish, and he gives you a snake, he wouldn't do that. If you ask for bread, and he gives you a rock, he wouldn't do that. He said, how much more then do you think your heavenly father, when you finally come to the conclusion, I'm not depending on government, I'm not depending on law, I'm not depending on just whatever feels good to me, I'm not depending, I'm going to depend on him. He said, how much more do you think I won't wrap my arms around you, pull you into my family, and call you my own. With every head bowed this morning, if you're in this room, and you're coming into this new year, and you're coming into it sideways. I mean, you're like a car on an icy road. You, you got feel like I'm just sliding into this thing. My life feels out of control. My world seems out of control. My family seems out of control. Everything about me seems, I just feel like I'm just sliding and I've got no way to fix where I'm headed. I'm headed from one ditch to the other and that seems like I can't control it and it feels like everything's out of my grips. God sent me by to tell you today, seek grace. Noah said, man, there's giants around here. This world's gone crazy. People doing what they want to do. The whole world's gone up in smoke. And man, this place is crazy. The world looks like it's fixed to fall apart. And Noah found grace. How do I do that, Brother Lot? You just jump past all the other stuff. You come to the altar and you raise your hand and say, God, I'm not dependent on my political party anymore. God, I'm not dependent on just the laws of the land because we don't know they may change them tomorrow. I, I can't determine that. I'm not counting on somebody else. And I'm, and I'm not just going to follow you, God, if you'll just do what I ask you to do. And if you'll just keep giving me gifts and I'll, I'll keep blessing and being part of you as long as you keep giving me the good stuff. I don't need your promises and I, and I don't need... Government, and I, and I don't need law, and I don't need the Ten Commandments. I don't need, I need you. And God, what I give you today is not my empty promises, but what I give you today is me. 
You're the only one that can straighten me on this icy road. You're the only one that can remove the ice. You're the only one that can help me reach my destination. If that's you in this room today, I want you just boldly, boldly to step out. I want you boldly to come raise your hand. I want you just to let God know, God, my life is sideways right now. It doesn't mean anything. By the world standards, Lord, I may be doing really, really good. But I know I'm not. I know inwardly right now I'm struggling. I feel like everything is falling apart. I feel like Noah. What am I going to do with my kids? What am I going to do in this world? What am I going to do? But he found grace. He found traction. He found a purpose. He found God. Father, this morning, for whoever that person is listening to me, either by video today or in this room, let them realize that grace, grace, marvelous grace, it's the only thing that will give us the power to overcome this age. I can't change all that we're going to see on the news. I can't change all the craziness. But I can draw a line. I can build a boat right in the front of them. Father, I praise you that this year will be a year where more people are raised up in grace than we've ever seen at all seasons. Where more people turn from what they're hoping in and they turn back to what works. And I praise you for it. And I give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I'll deal a little bit more with that next week.